Hello and welcome to Train of Thought. My name is Rob Tobias. My guest today is Billy Scudder. He's a an actor, I would say, a singer, film, TV guy, mime writer, sort mm-hmm. of an all-around artiste, you might say. Welcome, Billy. Thank you. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Yeah. It's it's awesome. We we met uh, just a little a few weeks back. You brought me some VHS tapes of a play you were putting on called Boomba Boomba. Tell me a little bit about that. About well, Boomba what... Boomba is a Commedia dell'arte, and I started doing Commedia in 1970, 70, I think it was seventy one one seventy one, and uh, Commedia they... sounds like comedy. Well, it, it, but it's Italian. Italian. And uh, and it's called Commedia, or it's this, the, the comedy of life is what it's about. Yeah. And uh, Commedia, as they affectionately refer to it, are all traditional characters that you would find in every street corner. You know, there's the pompous guy, there's the lover, there's the heroine. There's the fool, and the fool is kind of like the the unlocker of all of the mysteries of whatever the reality that you're portraying is. Somehow I'm going to guess that was your character. Well, that's who I played, is our Lakino. <laughs> and if you look at the masks, traditional masks of Comedia, our Lakino has big circles. Mm. And everybody, like there's his brother has these slits, so his brother is Regilla, and it doesn't matter what you do, you look sinister when you put that on because you just see the eyes slithering back and forth. And he is a very, very rude guy, and he's the only Commedia character that's kind of nasty uh-huh. because he's as smart as his brother Arlecchino, but Arlecchino is in the play. So this was a play that got put on at the uh, Renaissance, Rena- Fair. Renaissance Fair, which... Yeah. We know here in this area as the predecessor, maybe, to the or- Oregon Country Fair or something kind of like that. Out in the country. Out in the country of uh, Southern California and Northern California. Yeah. We did it in those two sections. The one in California, Lower California, the Southern one, was in a, a movie location called Paramount Ranch. Oh, yeah. And uh, that's where they made movies for years. And the reason why is it was within the 30-mile radius that they, if you were shooting there, they didn't have to pay you overnight scale. Uh, okay. <laughs> it's always some trick to it. Yeah, it's some trick. Um, let's see. And another claim to fame, I don't know if fame is the right word, mm-hmm. but you've played Charlie Chaplin in IBM commercials. Is that right? Yeah, for seven years, I was the character for IBM. I started playing Charlie, though, in 1971, when a guy said to me, when he saw me doing a, mel- a melodrama, a silent one, why, son, have you ever thought about doing Chaplin? He was really affected, this guy. And I went, yeah, I've done him for a party. He said, well, I'd like to pay you. Now, this is the first person who wanted to pay me money to put on funny clothes and do stuff. And I went, sure, $25 yeah. a night. Oh, that's great, you know. So I started working his parties. And the minute I put on that costume, though, it was like finding a sleeping bag on a, in a winter storm. You know, it was like, oh, this is so good. I feel so natural. I didn't have to think. 
I would just put on the clothes and run out and start doing silly stuff. You know? Had you um, studied mime already at that point? or was... No, I had never studied anything but being alive, basically, you know. Yeah. And uh, But what happened was in 1955, my sister, who was 11 years older than me, went to Europe to buy some Carmen Gias. And she bought three and brought them over here, sold two, and then had a free car. So oh. she came back and said, Billy, I saw this guy performing in Fran France, in Paris, in whiteface, like a clown. And he did stuff called miming. And he told stories without saying a word. And I'm looking at her and she said, you can do that. And I was like, shit, was the feather in my hat. Yeah. You know, and I always thought about it. I can do that. My sister told me I could. How old do you think you were at that point? 15. 15. And uh -huh. then later on, I went and auditioned because I heard they were looking for a mime for a show called Beauty and the Beast. Yes. And they were looking for a mime. And I said, I can do that. Yeah. <laughs> Never trained. Uh-huh. There's something freeing, I guess, about not having dialogue. I mean, what what do you think is it, uh, it is about the chaplain or being mime what, and that form of communication? What? Well, first of all, it has to be a part of you. Yeah. And the way you experience life, you know, and, and I didn't have to think about it. Uh -huh. The first time was dress rehearsal night when they said, and, I, you know, we had rehearsals and I'd say, well, I'll work something up for this part and I'll have something over here. And of course, I'm a procrastinator and I didn't. And I just kept waiting for this moment. And they said, well, dress rehearsal, we're going to do the show. And I went, oh, and it was also the night of the birth of my first girl this is um theater theater uh -huh. 1963 wow uh just before the assassination mm -hmm. of our president and so we were still lighthearted. so i um i went okay so she's born on april 22nd rest rehearsal night and i went there and i said after having a baby i thought this is really important i better tell him the truth so we got there and i said well i don't have anything prepared and they went by that time, we were all friends. And he said, okay, well, we'll do the show. And then when we're over, we'll figure out things. And I said, okay, go put on the makeup. I'd never put on makeup before. I mean, stage makeup, white yeah. face. Yeah. So I went back and I put the white face on and looked in the mirror. And it was like everything disappeared. And I heard God say, pay attention. This is very important. And I looked at my face for the first time, and it was like I held up a magnifying glass so I could see my face. Yeah. It wasn't a mask. It was something that showed me who I was. And I started making faces, and I went, oh, my God, how enlightening. Oh, this is wonderful. Yeah. So I went, got the costume on, I went out on stage, and I just started doing all this stuff. Yeah. And at the end of the night, the director said, I thought you had nothing prepared. And I said, I, I didn't. He said, did you just improvise all that? And I said, uh-huh. And he said, just keep doing that. Yeah. And so that started my career. Yeah. So you have a career as an improviser. I am an improviser. <laughs> yes, I am. And then I started going out into the streets of Hollywood in between our two shows and doing stuff on the streets. And people didn't know what to think of me, you know. What would you do? Like you were dressed, uh, you were doing yeah, Miami? All black, but white face. Uh-huh. And white gloves, you know. And I, I would I would just be a leaf in the wind or something, you know. Or yeah. I'd see anything and I would imitate it. 
uh-huh. and people started laughing, you know, and and I could see I could draw people out, and they would play with me. Yeah, and that was the key that I I could do it though by myself. <laughs> you know, I didn't really need an audience. Right. Uh, somehow the chaplain thing you said you got, uh, did it at uh, Knott's Berry Farm. I worked there for four years, but I had, there was this period seventy one to seventy seven where I was doing it once in a while for this one guy, and then I was doing miming, and, and I would sing and do some shows. And uh, I talked to a musician one night at a party who worked at Knott's, and I said, boy, I'd like to have that gig. And he said, you want to come and audition? I said, yeah. So he said, sure, I'll arrange it. And he got me in an audition, I went and auditioned. And these three guys, which were all old circuit people clowns and you know professionals at new theater and they just cracked up and they said you're great oh yeah when can you start um, I said, now <laughs> as uh, were you doing chaplain yeah chaplain uh-huh. and i put on charlie and they said that's great yeah of course you know and so i worked there five days a week eight hours a day running around and falling down <laughs> and working up shtick I mean you had shtick oh yeah I, I had nothing of no I bag saw, of tricks I thought I saw one video where you did have a bag of tricks with you where you went out in the audience oh yeah that, yeah well I had been there already two years uh huh and every day I would have a bag and a cane and uh-huh. and a hat and, and I would do things with people or kids especially because that's what I was there for yeah. you know and I would do a trick and my hat would fall off onto the ground or fly off I had a they would pick up the hat, and as they handed me the hat, I'd drop my cane. As they picked up the cane, I would drop my bag, <laughs> and I would put on my hat. So then they would pick up yeah. the, the cane and the bag, and I'd put the hat on their head. So there was a routine, you know. So. Sure. Uh, and you, I'm, I want to hear one more story, a chaplain story, because you told me, well, you put that little thing in your mouth. You had kind of a whistle thing At going? At Knott's Berry Farm. Uh, yeah. I was, there was a movie called City Lights, where he's at a party and he has a buddy who's only knows him when he's drunk. Yeah. He's a rich banker. So he uh, has a big party and all these people are drinking and carousing and and somebody has a whistle and they set it down and Charlie puts it in his mouth and somebody slaps him and he swallows it. Oh, yeah. So when he hiccups, he goes, Eek! Right. Eek! And I went, Oh, I got to get something like that. It gives you a little voice. A yeah. little voice because... Yeah. I had done it, started doing it, and I was able to talk with it. Uh huh. And if you hear, listen, you hear me, and I, you realize, oh, it's not just noise; he's talking to me, you know. <laughs> but you, did you actually have a whistle, or did you just? Well, then I found a, a device. A device. Uh huh. And and I put it in my mouth, and I just went, oh my god, oh my god, this is fabulous. Yeah. And you did tell me a story about some dolphins, or the, can you relate? Oh that? yeah, one day I was I was working at. A, a benefit in Chicago with the Harris Casinos. They oh, yeah. used me a lot. Uh-huh. I was like their treasure, you know. This was during IBM. This, so they and, knew you. They knew you through the commercials. Well, they knew me because before the commercials aired, I went to work for them. Oh, in Reno. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And they had just been bought by some big company, and all the Harris employees were, "Oh, Bob, you guys don't do anything right," you know. Bill Hare was a genius at this. And so they said, we want you to entertain everybody, the employees, the customers. And I said, oh, this is great. 
Yeah. Just whoever I run into. Yeah. Didn't matter where I was as long as I was out there doing it. Just walking around the property, basically. In, yeah. Yeah. And so they took me to uh, Chicago to the aquarium for this benefit for cystic fibrosis. Uh-huh. And I remember uh, I was walking around doing my Star Charlie stuff, and I went into this arena, which was the dolphin show arena. And I'm standing there and doing the noise, and all of a sudden I hear boop. And I turn around, and you know, and I didn't bring one of them with me now, I think about it. Anyway, but as I look <laughs> down, I see this dolphin up out of the water staring at me, going, eek, eek, like I was. Yeah. And so I ran down, buddy, you know, my old buddy, you know, and then they all came over and they started looking at me and going, to me, they were going, how come you can talk like us? And I'm telling them, because I'm different. <laughs> <laughs> and then finally a guy came over and said, I'm sorry, you'll have to leave. You're bothering the dolphins. I said, am I bothering you? And they said, no. <laughs> Uh, well, you gave me this book of yours, uh, which is called Pleasure, A Cosmic Current of Spirit. Yes. It's kind of a cool title. And I think in the foreword, there's something about you being an Aquarian. Yeah. And having the the gift of clear communication. So that uh, somehow that reminds the dolphins picked up on your communication. Or, yeah. Or it, 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 it is a gift to not be talking and still be communicating clearly. Oh, absolutely. Because the most important thing that we as a human can try to understand is that it isn't verbally what we're saying. It's what we're thinking as we say what we're doing. If you hear two things, it's because some one of those two things aren't telling you the truth. Yeah. And so I, I learned that when I was born, from the time I was a baby, that I didn't have a language, but yet I could think mm -hmm. and I could see and I could understand visually what was going on almost instantly. Yeah. And I can remember I didn't cry. I laughed all the time. Uh-huh. Um, there's a song that I really like and, and called Love is a Verb. Love is a Verb. And, you know, that idea, you know, you can say I love you, or, but show me. <laughs> you know, and so the part of what you're saying is it's not, it's, and you know, it's like it's not what we say we're going to do, it's what we actually do. That's right. You That's know, right. I mean, I really just go out and love people. Yeah. I love humanity and I am a servant to that. Mm -hmm. You know, and I, as an actor, I walk out on stage and I, I, I bow to the audience and say, What do you want tonight? What meal do you want to eat tonight? <laughs> you know, and I tell when I train actors, I say, When you're all done, ready to do the show, and they open up the door, stand backstage and listen to the audience. Feel the audience coming in, feel where they are, what's their level, hmm. so that when you come out to perform, you don't just come out and say your lines. You come out and deliver them the energy that they can accept. Mm. Let's talk about another one of your characters, because I know Charlie was a big one, but um, Green Man. The Green Man. Well, at the fair, when I was doing mime, they decided that uh, mimes took over all the stages. Uh, uh -huh. And uh, they said, well, you know, they didn't really have white face then, <laughs> which is what they would say, you know. Uh -huh. Oh, okay, you know. And they went, it's like one year they said, nobody can wear purple. 
Okay, why? Well, only the queen can wear purple. They didn't have purple dyes anyway, you know. Oh. So they didn't want white face all of a sudden? Is that what you're all saying? All of a sudden, the white faces kind of got washed away. Hmm. So the entertainment director said, we will need someone to play the green man. Now, I had always wanted to be Peter Pan. Uh-huh. And I said, what do I do? Well, you dress up in green. And, and I went, oh, it's Peter Pan, you know. Uh-huh. And when I was, I think, in the fifth grade, a show came to our school. And they said, it's about a little boy who wouldn't grow up. And I went, that's me. I want to play that part. Yeah. And when I went to it and saw the show, I said, that's a woman. Uh-huh. I didn't believe it because I could see she was a woman. Right. And I was expecting to see a little kid. Uh-huh. So anyway, yeah. you know, I couldn't get into the magic of that. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to play Peter Pan. And so I developed a costume that looked very reminiscent of what Peter Pan looked like. And I painted leaves on my face. Yeah. And they said, well, that looks like a picture. And I said, what do you want? Me to get real leaves? And they said, yeah. Huh? So I got spirit gum and put the leaves on my face, and then they loved it. Yeah. It's the cover of this book of yours. There's a picture of you and Green Man costume. Yeah, the Green Man picture. And that you, picture has been everywhere. And uh, we're here in Eugene. I know this is where Fairy Worlds was. You had a story about just show, you just kind of showed up at Fairy Worlds as Green yeah, Man. Yeah, well, I, fairies were my alter ego space, you know, that uh, the little people were always there, but... I had learned never admit that they're there because mm. people will think you're crazy. <laughs> I can remember being four and talking to a tree in the backyard. And my mom said, who are you talking to? And I said, the tree. And she said, don't talk to trees. People will think you're crazy. I said, why is everybody interested in whether or not I'm crazy? <laughs> but it was just what she wanted to think about. Yeah. You know? So I went, okay, I'll, I'll have to occult what I was. Yeah. And so I would not show it to people, you know, uh-huh. unless I went out in the woods by myself and I'd take all my clothes off and put leaves and stuff on me and sit there. So even as a kid, you had an affinity even with the... as a kid. With the... And I would be very still and all of a sudden all the creatures would come out. Who are you? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And yeah. I would talk to them mentally uh-huh. and say, and I say that because that's what I believed. Yeah that you can mentally communicate with the animals mm-hmm. and that they only know one, one their particular style of communicating with other animals. And if you just hone into that and listen, you can hear it. So that's what I would do. And they say, oh, how, how come you can hear us? Yeah. And I would say, because I'm different. Yeah. Oh, okay. So I only shared that with the creatures who would talk to me. Uh-huh. You know, I wouldn't share it with humans because none of them really heard what I was saying, you know. So I, I would wait until another person came up and I could see, oh, there's one like a person like me, you know. So it sounds like you got to know yourself at an early age and oh. that, that you had some gifts that were different than than the average bear. Um, I forget where this this is the line in one of your poems or, or writings. Fear is self-exile from joy. Yes. That kind of relates to what you're talking about here. Yeah, I it mean, is. It is. I said that to a girl one day at the fair. and She said, that's really nice. And I said, really? So I went and wrote it down because I have to write it down immediately. Yeah. Or it's gone. It's like we forget. Or, or fearing is 
sort of forgetting in a way that our true nature, true nature can be joyful. It's an anesthetizer. Mm. It anesthetizes logic. And logic goes to sleep when you have fear in domination of who you are as an individual. Yeah. But when you have the confidence to stay within your own reference, Mm -hmm. joy is close. Yeah. Uh, Another line you have is, I guess about Santa. I don't know if you've played Santa Claus, but you have this, Santa Claus is love. Yes, yes, of course. And, and, And I've played Santa you know, but I mainly every year had Santa come to my house, uh-huh. and he would land on the roof, and I was the host. Uh-huh. You know, and we would magically get him in the house somehow. Yeah, and it would always be figured out. You know, at the last minute. One time, I lived in a house where there was right next to the fireplace a little window. It wasn't a little one, but it was an oval, thin door, and a guy could just get through it. And I had a big Santa chair sitting in front of the chair, yeah. in front of the window. And so we'd say, here comes Santa, he's coming. And I'd say, I'll come in the... And he would talk through the the floor, where the ash thing, before and talk would, to the kids before be- he came down. Uh-huh. And he would say, well, I'll come in the back door. And everybody would turn around, and i go running through the house to the back door. And then I had two big guys stand next to the chair oh. so that he would come in the window and sit down in the it's chair. So they'd sort of block the view. Yeah, we'd just change direction. Yeah. Know? Yeah, and then they, I'd say he's not there, and he'd say, "No, I'm over here." Everybody would turn around and go, "Ooh, yeah." <laughs> it's just, but you know, it's just an example of someone. Yeah, it's a little bit of theater in that we've created around an event. I, I know my you know nice Jewish family in Ohio, but we my grandfather dressed up as Santa, oh. you know, and just we loved it. And then when sure. he when he passed, my uncle started oh. started dressing up and just. Just that sense of uh, of being... Well, do you know who Santa really is? I know it's based on on some mythical character, but... Well, it's a northern climate religious mythological entity. Mm -hmm. His birth date is December 25th. Yeah. And it's called the Saturnalia. Mm -hmm. He's Saturn. He has a long white beard, long white hair... And whenever you had a Saturnalia party, everybody would eat, drink, and do the other thing that we would do because of those two things, <laughs> and debauch themselves. Yeah. And so it became known as the office party. Uh-huh. And so th- that entity is to come and give gifts, and the gift is love. Yes. Um. Running short on time, I have to at least touch on this one story uh, once before once before time that you wrote. Yes, uh, because I'm a dog lover, and, <laughs> and it's uh, it's yes. it's kind of uses some um, um, Native American na- mythology. Exactly. Yeah. It, see, I still believe I'm in the garden, mm-hmm. and so because of that, I take that with me, and so I know that everything has a validity to their consciousness and their desire in life, which is to live, mm. to eat, to enjoy. And if you've got that, a warm bed, loving heart, and food, what else do you need? And in the garden, it's that way. And we have to believe it's possible even in our reality today 
to be in the garden. Yeah. Well, one of the lines in that story is about how us two-leggeds have lost our way, you know, and <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. And, and things like courage and loyalty and honor aren't, yeah. aren't as ingrained in us or don't come out as much as... I mean, they are there in most people, and yet we lose... We, Did you ever study Jane Goodall at all? No. Well, look up her stuff. There's a period of time where she's 25 years studying this one tribe, and then a group of them steal the women and lead, run off into the woods, and the remaining alpha throws things around and screams and hollers, but then they go back to just the normal day life. And she thought, wow, that's amazing. But over the course of the next five years, whenever the tribe would find the males who went off, they would kill them. Hmm. Once they had killed all those males, they went and took all the females back to their tribe again. Mm-hmm. Now, we as species, primates, do that. We move off into other directions and places and leave the original one there. And once you leave, you become enemy. Uh-huh. Enemy. Enemy. And so you can't welcome them back because they have left the pride and broken that you know, connection. But we also then found other creatures that we interbred with, and that's why humans lasted so long. We widened our pool, <laughs> cha- ch- gene pool, mm-hmm. by being her, uh, her Homo erectus first, yeah, and then Neanderthal, and then another one called Denisian, or I'm not sure of that other one, because nobody knows where they came from. They found him in a cave, and all they found was a finger and yeah. a tooth. <laughs> We're running out of time here. Right, My brother. guest is Billy Scudder, who is an amazing artist and uh, actor and uh, mime and a bunch of other things. Thanks for spending time. Is there, What have I missed? What, are, what would you want people to know about you that maybe you haven't got across yet? Well, I think that I've just given them the taste that's there. But, you know, there are so many things I don't know yet. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm still discovering about me. Yeah. That, you know, it, it's like a ring. It has all these facets. Uh-huh. And if you move it around in the light, you only see where the facet that you can see. Mm-hmm. I may not have discovered all those facets yet. Yeah. But you've discovered some fun ones. And uh, it's nice to share them. And I'm glad uh, you crossed my orbit and came oh. in here for a little interview. And I uh, hope we seeing more of you. And, and thanks for uh, sharing a little bit of your stories. Well, thank you for asking. Sure, sure. My guest has been Billy Scudder. You've been listening to Train of Thought. And if you want to know more about Billy, there is a website, billyscudder.com. And on Amazon.com, his book, Pleasure, A Cosmic Current of Spirit. It's really a a good read. Very um, short little stories and poems. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. Train of Thought can be heard on KEPW 97.3 in Eugene. It's also posted on SoundCloud.com slash Rob Tobias. For comments and suggestions, email Rob at RobTobias.com. Mm-hmm.